Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello everyone, welcome to Juice Bags. This edition we are going to look at the Wimbledon review. Joining me today is Shankar. Unfortunately, Bijan couldn't make it to this podcast. Hey Shankar, Wimbledon is done. So we did a show midweek where we predicted what would happen second week. Did it go according to what you thought it would? Yes, uh, well, at least the men's went completely to prediction. I think Fedro was the favorite coming in before the tournament. He played like the favorite. He was never threatened and he won pretty comfortably and pretty impressively the women's side i think bijan said we had, i don't remember who we called i think we had four we had halep muguruza venus and somebody else so uh i remember thinking venus would go deep because she was the only one who had grass court experience and it did happen like that i mean the spaniard won she did well so i think we were not too far off so just looking at the men's side first so chilich made the final so obviously you could say it was one sided but unfortunate for chilich that his injury just took toll of him and he couldn't put up a fight but otherwise surprised with how chilich made it to the finals a little bit but not very i think last year he had match points against federer in the quarter finals and he he really should have won that match federer somehow snuck it out and he he's he play I I don't think any match he played he wasn't expected to win too it just uh, he didn't run into Nadal I don't know how how that would have turned out but the way he's playing he, I would have said he probably could have beaten Nadal as well on grass so he's a good player he blows hot blows cold uh, when he when he's moving well and he's got his power going he can be very very uh, intimidating so not a huge surprise obviously he was he helped was helped by Nadal losing and Murray losing so but given the draw he had in the end i think every match he played he was expected to win and he did ex- except for the final of course indeed uh, also let's look at federer's second time he's ever won a grand slam without dropping a set has he actually played better do you think he's getting better with age or the breaks as we discussed in the last part the or the one which we did during the french open that the breaks are actually aiding his recovery and he's reaching to peak form when it matters I think he played better in Australia and the reason he played better in Australia was because he had to play better. 
I don't know how this is going to sound, but he didn't. He did not even have to play his best tennis to win this tournament. He was never pushed. He was serving incredibly well. That that I must say off the top. He fully deserved to win. But honestly, if you asked him himself, I think he would have been surprised by how straightforward almost all the matches were. But he had a decently tough draw. I mean, Dimitrov, Rayonic, Burdick, Chilich. It's not easy. All big guys. They're all, um, except for Chilich, who we'll give him, we'll give him a pass because he had an injury. But they're all predictably fallible. I'll say Dimitrov, Rayonic. A couple of returns in, you know that Federer is going to win the point if he gets the ball back over the net, and he serves well enough that they get intimidated. So I think he's playing really well. He's somehow the strategy of uh, skipping months and then coming back and playing is working for him very well. Uh, he he played. Well, he won without losing a set, but he could play even better. He could play even better. Lots of people actually. The common thing on social media was, this is, lots of Federer fans actually said this is the best he's played. But your opinion seems that he's he need not. You would say he was in third gear then. Second gear, not third gear. His serving was incredible. I mean, nobody had a whiff on his serve, and I don't know how he does it. He serves big. He serves aces. Very few double faults. Whenever he's down, 15, 30, 30, 40, whatever, he comes out with a big serve. His serving is ridiculously good. So he he played very well. I mean, the Federal fans will see it as a perfect performance, and it's very hard to argue with the guy who goes through the whole tournament not dropping a set that it's not a perfect performance. But I, what I mean is, he can get pushed and. Even elevate his game. He never had to do it. But yeah, he's he's unbelievable. Indeed, indeed. Uh, let's also look at Nadal. So you you actually pre-tournament said you don't think he will win it and he might lose, and he did indeed lose. So what do you make of the tournament as a Nadal fan from his perspective? How would he rate this tournament? Well, he was very disappointed in his post match after losing to muller he was very disappointed he he talked he talked a very modest game which he characteristically does after every round he said i've won one round i'm happy to be back and i thought he would have troubles from the third round where he played that karen kachanov that giant 21 year old uh, guy who has a big game but his game is not all there yet but i knew muller was dangerous because muller's game is made for grass and i think before the tournament he had played the most on grass this year and won the most number of wins i think two tournaments he reached the semi so he had eight wins or 10 wins or something like that so i knew that muller was dangerous but i kept watching it i kept expecting muller to you know blink in the face of nadal and nadal is deeply disappointed he used the words he said he had a chance to do something special so i think he really felt he could reach the semis or win or something like that but on grass i mean some of his weapons are taken away he has less time a big server with a confident game will put him in tough situations and although it was heartbreaking to lose that match there was never a stage where he was leading so probably fair result in the end i actually remember bijon on a whatsapp group saying that muller being left handed takes out some parts of the strength of nadal's game would you agree left handed being did it matter according to you Yes, that made a difference too. But Muller is really good on grass. I don't know if you watched him. His serving was—I mean, Nadal could not get a read on Muller's serve almost all the way through the match. I would say, him being Nadal, he found a way to break in the third and fourth set. But once Muller kind of centered himself and balanced himself, it, those serves were just perfect. He was volleying well. He was covering the court. He was handling Nadal's ground strokes with tremendous ease. 
and uh, probably Nadal was at, uh, did not have that usual advantage that he has against right-handers. Yes, I think Bajon and you were right about that. But it just complete game, really. The best match of Muller's life, no doubt. And quite expected that he gets knocked out soon after that, right? Yeah, well, that's the curse. The curse of Rafa, they say. Everybody who's beaten him in the last five years since 2011 has lost in the next round. So maybe the next year, people will look at that curse and say, nobody wants to beat Nadal. So that, but yeah, <laughs> it was just such a big five-set match. And he was a lot was taken out of it. And then he took... He took Chilich to five sets and um, somebody had to lose there. Chilich played a little better there, yeah. And then well, uh, we have not yet discussed about the unfortunate Djokovic injury. He looked good. He, I would say he looked kind of nearing, not his best, obviously his best is somewhere else. It's, uh, I don't think we are going to see his real best anytime soon. But considering his performances this year, he seemed to be recovering towards the peak of his performances for this year at least. What do you make of his tournament though? Yeah, I think he would have been very hopeful coming in. You see, he lost badly in Paris and people were saying he should take a break. He's the worst he's played. I said it was the worst he's played in a long time. And But he he showed that he wanted to get back on the horse immediately. He, he, he took a wild card. He entered Eastbourne. He won that tournament. So and he's brought in Agassi. He brought in Anchich. So he's do, he's, all his signs are of somebody who wants to do better. And you're right. He did play better and better as the tournament went through. And uh, it's very unfortunate that he was injured. I mean, the odds were that he would beat someone like Burdich, who is, I think it's 25 and 2 or something, the head-to-head. But he admitted that he had a really once, uh, his, he's had this injury for a year and a half. So I, I think he's probably going to have to take some time off, recover, get do what it takes. At this point, if I had to predict, I think he'll skip the US Open. <clears throat> he might skip the rest of the year, seeing what it did for Federer. Uh, but yeah, it's unfortunate for him. I think all things, as you said, helped indeed Federer have that <clears throat> tournament he hated. So let's <clears throat> just summarize the men's side, uh, Shankar. Well, who would you term as you would say the biggest disappointment from the men's side in terms of the performance at Wimbledon? Oh, the that, biggest disappointment. I would be tempted to say Wawrinka, but indeed in the last part you said his recorded grass is nothing to boast about. Yeah, Wawrinka would have to be the biggest disappointment just because he's number five. He came off a final in Paris, but he he lost to an up-and-coming youngster who is, who is expected to make big waves in the game. If you take that out, I think the, the top guys did okay. I mean, Murray clearly was was carrying an injury. Apparently, in a tour meeting before Wimbledon, there was a team, there's a the ATP Tour Council meeting where he it was a six-hour meeting and he couldn't even sit down. So he was suffering and he really tried, because it was Wimbledon, he wanted to try, understandably. And he was so close to beating Query in straight sets. I mean, if he had won that second set, he was up a break and 5-3. If he had won that second set, what's to say he wouldn't have won in three sets and then who knows. But So I think he did everything he could. Djokovic, unfortunate, the injury rules him out. Uh, Nadal probably would have backed himself to beat Muller. So maybe he's, and given everyone talking about him and building him up in this tournament, that he hadn't lost a set since the beginning of the French, or yeah, all that stuff. Maybe Nadal's a big disappointment, but McEnroe well, commentary said that of all the fourth-round opponents, the guy that none of the top guy wants to play is Muller, because his his game is so slippery. So disappointments, I would say, I, I was most disappointed by Dimitrov and Rayonic, I think. Just the lack of fight they put in. You know, they just kind of showed up and I could predict what was going to happen and they didn't surprise me even once. Uh, didn't Ryanet 
which have a good Wimbledon last time. He made semi-finals, is it? If I remember, was it the Wimbledon? No, he reached the finals last year. He beat yeah, finals, sorry, in sorry. the semis and he reached the finals. But yeah. yeah, last year he showed more fight. Even in last year's Australian Open, he took Murray to five sets before getting injured. So somehow this year he's had a lot of uh, losses, loss of form, less matches. Federer was very kind in his post-match. He's saying that my loss is where I was last year. He's not sure and that's why he's not playing well. But I mean, I called it. I told some friends of mine that this is what was going to happen. He'll, he'll serve three aces a game. Five games, four games in a set, and one game he let himself get broken, and he does. I, I think mentally they're not there. These guys, the next generation who are playing these top four guys, and I'll include Warinka as well, the top five guys, they don't really believe they can beat these guys, you know, and they just they blink first every time, almost every time. That's not so good to hear. Actually, was it Federer who was saying that the ranking point system isn't fair? And that these guys, if they beat the top four, should get more points. Something like that I read yesterday or today, I believe. What Did you happen to read this bit as well? Yeah, I saw the interview on YouTube. Uh, he came back the day after winning. On, uh, he won on Sunday, so he went to the ball and all that. On, Sunday, on Monday, he came back to the club and there was an interview. So what he said there was when he was starting in the 90s, if you bet a top player, you get, you get more points. Like he... At Paris, he was playing Pat Rafter, and he was we were supposed to get 90 points if he beat Rafter because in Grand Slams you get double points for beating players ranked between two and five. He says here what happens is that even if someone like a Dimitrov beats a Murray, which he's done in the Slams a couple of times, he doesn't get any great points. And as it is, none of these guys seem to have uh, what it takes to win five matches or six matches or seven matches in a row, so they're not getting rewarded enough. And Federer made a point. He said. Murray reached the quarterfinals and he gets 350 points and I win the finals and I get 2,000 points. The gap is too large. It's, it, it rewards the people who win tremendously, but it should not, uh, it should, the, the reward should be <clears throat> better spread and trickle down more. So, yeah, he made that point. If you do that, then these guys will get bumped up in rankings and that will have a knock-on effect on their careers and their confidences. So he has a point. Talking rankings, Federer, the latest rankings, he's pushed, moved up to three now. Yeah, I think so, it's Murray, Nadal, Federer, right? Federer, yes. Djokovic has dropped to four. And Fed, so Federer seems to have qualified for the year end already because he's obviously won two slams. He has enough points on the board. So looking good this season for him. We didn't talk. Uh, we <clears throat> we didn't we did talk about uh, the first week. But in terms of the whole tournament, if you look, biggest upset, what would you term? The, which match do you, would you say is the biggest or the biggest giant killing of the tournament? Again, Muller beating Nadal, I think, especially the way he started two sets to love. And then when it came to two sets all, everyone said, OK, fine, now Rafa has this. He knows how to win from here. And Muller said no. He just didn't give up, and he, he played so well, and it went to what 13-11 or 15-13, I think. So that was that was huge. That was the big shock in the men's side. I think uh, the one result that they didn't expect before the match, and at, even somewhere during the match, they did not expect it when it was two sets all. So I would say that's the biggest upset. Indeed. So let's uh, we've discussed enough of the men's section. Let's just look at the women's section. Uh, one of the top picks big, uh, we picked, and then Muguruza indeed beating Venus Williams in the finals. What a contrasting two Grand Slams for Muguruza. French Open ended in tears, literally due to the partisans about Paris is always known to be like that. And then coming to Wimbledon, uh, winning Wimbledon, 
last year she was finalist right so uh getting uh, better no, she reached the final 2 years ago 2 years ago, sorry yeah. 2 years ago wimbledon finalist last year french uh, french open winner this year absolute contrast in french open and then followed up with this. it's been a total roller coaster for muguruza so how how do you rate her tournament excellent i i saw quite a, i think three of her matches i saw uh, her match against kerber was marvelous i think it was probably the best match of the tournament men or women side uh, halep and uh, konta was also a great match uh, muguruza has been pegged right from when she won paris last year as somebody who can win a lot of slams because apparently she has great self confidence and i read somewhere that after losing the french to miladanovic and the way the crowd treated her she was very angry and she was very upset and she told somebody near her she said i have to do something good and she came here and <laughs> before wimbledon she played in eastbourne and she lost 6 love 6-1 to barbara strickova i mean talk about misleading people but she won only one game and then she comes in here she she never takes a backward step and she she i don't know i won't say she dominates the second set against a five time champion i don't i i don't think i've seen anyone apart from williams or maybe kvitova to play like this on grass and she she looks very good i'll say and mentally she's there she's got tremendous confidence she's she doesn't take a backward step i think she believes that she will now kind of you know build on this she will not settle with two and maybe that's good do you, do you see her someone like an all quarter that is she her, she has the game for all surfaces Yes, I, I I always think that's more uh, common among the ladies the in that ladies, you don't yes, get yeah, you don't have a if if a, if a woman player is really good she generally does well on all surfaces because once they get to the top in the women section and I don't want to sound sexist but they mentally dominate a lot of people at the lower levels and if you win one set 6-1 already you're halfway through the match and before the guy other guy other person knows that the match is over so I think Muguruza yes she's the first person to have ever defeated both serena and venus in grand slam finals the fact that she's played here once and lost to serena and the fact that she beat serena last year those two would have been huge confidence uh, boosters for her when she went into this match against venus and full credit to her really she was down two break points two set points and had she lost the first set who knows this could have gone totally different but she didn't and they only play you only look at what the results are and she played really well in that second set she, i don't think venus played that poorly in the second set the common narrative is that venus lost some gas got tired i i didn't see that much of a loss in speed and all from venus but i think venus kept expecting muguruza to be like kind of overpowered or something like that and muguruza just stepped up to the line and gave as good as she got and she really took every chance in that second set and since you mentioned venus williams how how would you see at lot of as we discussed in the previous were a lot of off court issues and then she made it to the finals the lady said is uh, it was gravitating towards the younger generation but it's again last couple of years we have seen lot of players who are 30 or above making finals winning finals we, uh, we have seen that trend also coming back so how would you rate her tournament considering the off field issues 
Excellent, excellent. I mean, we talk about Nadal and Federer and Serena, but Venus has had two Grand Slam finals this year, and that's pretty good for anybody, let alone a 37-year-old. And she looked better here than she did in Australia. So she's she's really committed. I think she realizes that she's not going to play forever. She lost a few years because she had that Solgen syndrome or something, which gives her body pains, and she wasn't able to put her best forward. But I remember I always followed her because she's one of my favorite players. And even when she lost second round, third round to some no-name, she'd come in and say, people would ask her, are you going to retire? How do you feel? And she said, no, I always feel like a champion. And I would think, eh, come on, get real Venus or something. But she's showing us, no, she's she's capable of doing it. I don't think, I don't know. Her game can break down more than Serena's. And I mean, it's it's a curse that she's always going to be compared to Serena. I mean, seven Grand Slams is not nothing to be laughed at. But she's had a terrific Wimbledon, and if she stays fit and motivated, I don't know. She could do really well in the U.S. Open, too. She's had, you could say, unexpected consistent run on Grand Slams. We discussed how difficult, how, how you could say, how much of a... It's literally like a role that uh, predicting the women's side. So, let's look at the semi-finalists all together. We have discussed... Obviously, the finals, Muguruza and uh, Venus. The other two, what would you want to uh, chime in with that? Oh, I think uh, Conta surprised everyone. Obviously, the British press was gaga over her. And they, they built her up, even though the poor girl has only won one match at Wimbledon before this tournament. But I will say, I was really impressed by her. She was so mentally tough. I mean, so many matches, so many games, she'd be under pressure. I mean, against that match, against... Uh, Wawrinka's girlfriend, Bekic, she won 10-8 in the third set. And then the semi, uh, her quarterfinals, uh, the, the match against Halep, quarterfinals, I think. She played superbly. I mean, she played, she won. Do you know in the first set against Halep, she made 23 of 24 first serves. And she still lost the set because Halep was so good at returning. But she lost the set. She She didn't even get down for a minute. She came back even better. And... I have to think she will win Wimbledon. If she plays like this, she kind of feeds off the crowd. I think it's a matter of maybe one or two years where she will be a Wimbledon champion if she stays healthy, of course, all the usual caveats. Halep did very well, but now people are saying, oh, she lost at the French final and she lost here too. She can't cross the hurdle, but I think we need to give her a little bit of uh, time. She did well. I mean, a lot of people losing like that in Paris after having so many chances could have gone to pieces but she didn't she kind of regrouped she played well she was beaten she didn't lose somebody beat her so that's there's no disgrace in that and Halep will definitely win a Grand Slam I think I'm sh- that's pretty sure she's tremendously fit all these players are fit but she's super fit they keep talking about how she runs miles and then she's completely ready for the next point the other players are you know catching their breath yeah so who was the fourth semi-finalist beat Name just seems to slip me though. And I don't seem to recollect who. Venus beat Conta. And. Even I can't tell us. (laughs) (laughs) But Conta versus Halep contender for the match of the tournament. For me, it was the match of the tournament personally. Yeah, I think there are two matches that are contenders. One is Conta versus Halep, and the other one is Muguruza versus uh, Kerber. Excellent. That was really good. But Conta, yeah, and, just coming yeah. back to, as you said, that first set was one of the best sets I've seen this year, actually. Yeah, I would say. Okay, Hal- Muguruza beat uh, Ribarikova, the Slovak, who kind of just 
6161 that was completely one sided okay no wonder we didn't yeah. remember <laughs> yeah exactly yeah not much to remember it, 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 it would have finished before years. we started watching it <laughs> exactly yeah yeah you're right that absolute top caliber tennis i mean that match alone made the tournament for me though that women's match alone the men's side was pretty low on drama i'll say um even though they were five setters like murray lost in five sets but the moment he dropped the fourth the third set the fourth set the moment he started not being able to move you knew that there's no way he was going to win that match and it just kind of went through very quickly and i i think overall the women's side actually dominated the men's side this time in terms of wimbledon not only not only like having the best quality matches in general it was far more competitive i believe yeah federer won grade 8 wimbledon all those things are great but as you said it sometimes it look ridiculously easy nothing taking away for federer but let's stick to the women's side so would you agree that the women's side was far more competitive this year in terms of quality of matches and oh yes general right yeah right from the beginning the women's side had so many good matches so many close matches it was you every day there were two or three good matches the men's side did not have that it was i mean the favorites the favorite destroyed everyone he played and nobody else kind of stepped up the two of his main challengers were injured so yeah it was it was hands down i mean the men's side was only historic it wasn't memorable for anyone except federer and his fans which is still a lot of people but from a tennis point of view there wasn't anything great interesting interesting and also i don't know if you did follow the doubles hingis another grand slam perfect weekend you could say for the swiss federer yes. with hingis hingis with jamie murray right exactly yeah so she's winning uh, here 20 years after she won the singles in 97 i mean she's also won another doubles here she's got 22 titles i think in grand slams doubles mixed doubles and singles so she's a and she's still only like what 37 or something right <laughs> so yeah that was a good one the men's doubles was incredibly close uh, i i can't i'm not even going to try to say their names but it went it was like 4 hours and 50 minutes they went 11 all and then they had to stop the match while they closed the roof and then it finally finished uh, a little while after that but that was an incredible match i just caught the last half an hour of it it was very tight but it was a good match indeed so We've looked at Wimbledon. So where do the champions head from? Any news? What Federer is he going to play? I'm assuming he's going to indeed play the U.S. Open, which means that he's going to play the pre-tourneys. So is he automatically favorite in U.S. Open, or what do you think? U.S. Open for me has been the actually the Open where lots of other you could say outsiders get chances to win. Right from Safin, Marat Safin days. That's the Open which throws up surprises personally for me. So what do you think of? let i know it's at least a month away minimum if not more i'm not sure of the schedule so but is federer early favorites or do you think that surface always throws up surprises federer is definitely the early favorite he's already been installed as the bookmakers favorite he's not playing there are two tournaments before the us open there's montreal and cincinnati he has said that he's not going to play montreal but he always plays cincinnati because it's a very fast hard court And you know Federer on a fast court. He's won it seven times, so he's probably already favored there as well. But right now, Federer is the favorite for the U.S. Open. He's has had very consistent results. Um, this year has been incredible for him. But what we have to remember is that last year he was injured, and even an injured Federer, he still made the semifinals of the two Grand Slams he played. And the year before that, he was only losing to Djokovic in the slams, and you, everybody knows how well Djokovic was playing. 
So it's not as if Fetters had up his level. The most amazing thing is that at this age, he's lost no motivation, he's lost no speed, and he's able to take a six-month break and come back fitter, faster, and better. So I don't think Djokovic and Murray will play the US Open. I expect one or maybe both of them to be injured or recovering. Uh, I don't know how severe the injuries are, but just a prediction based on what the news news people are saying nowadays. Nadal will be there, but Nadal is kind of blow hot, blow cold at the US Open. Sometimes he does very well, uh, but there's a lot of people who can do well. I would say Federer is definitely the favorite, and he will be the favorite. Nothing is going to change between now and the beginning of the US Open, which is in, it starts near the end of August, actually. So you, you think one of Mario Djokovic is definitely out, if not both? Yeah, Djokovic started talking about taking some time off, and he said that his injury is, he's had it for a year and a half. So I, I have to believe that it's it's quite a serious injury. And now that he's given up all his four crowns, he, he has no reason to come back immediately until he gets healthy. And they all can be inspired by Federer. So you take a little bit of time to get better. And these top guys are professional enough that they will do the work, they will do the practice. They're not going to just lounge around and watch TV or something. Like so they will do what it takes to get back up. And their games are so well-tuned that it will not take that much for them to come back if they choose to. When they choose to, not if they choose to. Federer has huge incentive in New York. He, I mean, he can realistically get 20 slams. Plus, he has no points from now to the end of the year to defend. So, he's one of the strong favorites to become a world number one at the end of the year as well. Ooh, that's a big call. You think he has enough points on offer to catch up? Yeah, like I said, he didn't play after Wimbledon last year. So, basically... Yeah, so there, there's no base effect. Everything from here is a bonus for him. Indeed, indeed. And do you think it's again pointless talking about the women's side? <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, I wanted to mention one thing that Ostapenko yeah. did really well in the women's side. I watched a few of her matches and I was wondering how she would play now that she was, you know, a Grand Slam champion. <laughs> Not much changed. She was still going for her shots. She lost a very close two setter to Venus Williams. I mean, Venus was in I control. Risk, I but Ostapenka was hitting winners all the time and she's got the kind of game that will unsettle a lot of people. I'll swear. I mean, people who are not very confident about their games will get scared by her because you cannot predict, oh, this is she's going to do this pattern, she's going to play safe. No chance. So I think she did very well. Quarterfinals, she, she should be very Ostapenko, proud. one point I want to do you think it's, okay, it happened in French, so there is no disputing the fact that it is possible, but do you think her, you could say high risk, high reward game can sustain a Grand Slam. We've seen it happen in French. Do you see it happening again is my question. Yes. Because she, her first three rounds, I think she had two, three setters. Her game was not working perfectly. Like she, With the high risk, she was making errors. But So she kind of tweaked it a little bit here and there to do what it took to win the match. So if she's that smart, then I, I really think she... she I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm echoing what Chris Everett and others are saying. She could be a a mega star. I mean, it's very early. It's too early. One slam is two slams is just a very small sample size. But she, she really impressed me at Wimbledon. The way she kind of coped with all the attention and she continued to play the way she wanted to play. And losing to Venus, there's no shame in that. Hmm. And talking of stars and all, Kvitova. Uh, Kvitova and Azarenka are both in the same boat. I think uh, everybody was happy to see them come back. But now they just need match play. They need to get back into the grind. Their bodies have to get used to playing tennis. And then they can come back and compete at the same level. I think Azarenka had a good tournament. She, her match against Watson was good. 
which I knew then that once that match once that match went to three sets, I was tell, someone was telling me she probably won't make the tournament. We said it, I think, in our midweek thing that she won't have enough energy to go all the way through, and she lost to Halep. Uh, Kvitova, fine. I mean, it's, it's way too early for her also. Yeah, she has to play a few tournaments, get into matches, and we say matches, but it's not just the matches, but the the way they prepare for a match, the way they re- the recover after a match, all that their body has to get used to that again. But since they played here, since they both seem healthy again, and Azarenka's, I mean, she's she's got the baby and all that stuff, but she seems to be managing that. I think they can do well at the US. They can do well for the rest of the year onward. I mean, they're both motivated. Everything is there. Good, good, good to hear. Any other bits of topics or any other topics specific to Wimbledon you wanted to discuss, Shankar? Because we, we are, I'm done with whatever I had in mind. So anything you want to throw up, you, you want uh, to I just wanted to, the, the one thing we didn't talk about was the new world number one in women's tennis, is Pliskova. Uh, Russian roulette. Yeah, we lost in the second round. That gave her a world number one ranking. So I don't know how she feels. But again, she's... She's good. Like, I'm not predicting her what she's going to do here. Women's tournament, I'm still not going to predict too much. If if Muguruza does well, then we can start saying that she's beginning to be consistent and dominant. But who knows, right? Women's tennis, you just keep your money in your wallet and watch the games. Don't don't bet a dollar on any of them. Do you think, they, irrespective of whoever it is, they are warming, keep just keeping the throne warm? Do you think Serena is coming back anytime? I think Serena will come back, but I don't think it's it's guaranteed that she'll come back at the same level. I mean, having a baby is a big thing, and uh, nothing is too big for Serena, though. Ex- yeah, nothing is too big for Serena, but she's having a baby later in her age, later in her. She's older than she, Azarenka was, and so again, you don't know how it'll affect her, how it'll how it'll affect her motivation. I mean, if ever yeah, that, there was a person who didn't only- need to who didn't need to win a Grand Slam, it's Serena. So. I think the rest of the tour will be collecting money and telling Serena, no, no, you just stay at home, watch the baby. We'll take care of the tennis. You just sit at home and watch it. So, but if she comes back, she'll be she's she's like Federer. She won't come back to play. She'll come back to win. And then who's going to bet against her? Yeah, there's there's no betting against Serena, indeed. So, Shankar, in last bits before we uh, conclude, you have said Federer is the favorite for U.S. Open. As usual, the women said we are not going to talk about it. So. Last thoughts, uh, as you said, match of the tournament, we did say the two women's side. So, if you had to pick the match of the tournament from the men's side, what would be? I hope you're not going to say Nadal Muller, but anything else? It is going to be Nadal Muller. It's, it's, it's like it's the match of the tournament by a mile from the men's side, at least. That's what I'm saying. It's, uh, it's also the match of the tournament. It's also the upset of the tournament. It's also my most disappointing experience of the tournament. It's, it's a lot of things. That match had a lot, had to do a lot. But the Chilek, Muller match was also very good. One thing I've noticed, one thing that there's a trend this year, Nadal Federer met in Australia and they pushed each other to five sets and Federer won a close match. Then in Paris, Nadal came in as the favorite. He dominated everyone. I don't think he even lost one. I don't think he even won a set 6-4. The closest was 6-3 in those seven matches. And Wawrinka couldn't stand up to him. And Federer did the same thing here. So these top four guys playing against each other, being so good to beat each other, they have now, when they play against people below them, they are not even being challenged. So I think what Fedor said is right. The challenge is, the gauntlet is thrown down to the Dominic teams and uh, the Dimitrovs and the Rayonics to you know, come at these guys. Otherwise, this could go on for another year or so, I think, this dominance. 
but one side we are talking this but other side as we talked on the last part we are actually having players who ha- who lack motivation to play in Wimbledon so we are at like two extremes of in terms of if you take motivation as a topic we are at two extremes Federer just doesn't want to stop Nadal just doesn't want to stop we have players like Tomic who, who are talking about saying they are bored playing Wimbledon so where is where are we heading I uh, Federer is an outlier Nadal is an outlier that's why they're only two of them and Tomic also I don't I cannot believe that most tennis players would be unmotivated I read that interview after Bijan said what he said about the the full interview I read it and he 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 does you do feel more sympathetic for him when you read the interview he I mean he was so scrambled he took an injury time out to to disrupt the other guy's pattern which is clearly wrong he he admitted to it and he was kind of just saying you know he's 24 years old and he's already playing his ninth Wimbledon so that's I mean that's that really kind of run ran around in my head that statistic so it's okay for him to be down a bit hopefully he'll find a way to come back but tennis is it'll only reward people who put into it like any other sport i guess so more people will be like federer and will will, will have motivation levels more comparable to federer and nadal than they will to tomic i don't think i don't think we run a risk of more people getting seriously uh, demotivated and carrying on just for you know first round losses and that kind of stuff the big names the guys like zverev okay zverev like that yeah he had a very good tournament he should have won against rayonic he was up a set and a break and he kind of played some bad tennis but he didn't that just showed his lack of grass court experience and he could have beaten rayonic and if he had beaten rayonic it would have been good to see him play against federer cuz zverev is a guy who who doesn't give up he he really wants to be the best he's not i mean he he's he's interested in winning small tournaments and making money and i'm sure but he's really got his eye set on the big prizes and dominic team is the same way nobody thought he would do this well i didn't think he'd do this well because he has these huge ground strokes his hands move like four or five times before he hits a shot i thought he wouldn't have time to play well on on grass but he did he lost to burdick but he played well so you have guys like that coming along hopefully kirios if he gets fit and he stays motivated like he did for the first half of this year he will be good he'll definitely be good at wimbledon so there are some guys i think once the throne is vacated somebody will occupy it and then we'll in in 3 years we'll be like hey remember this guy he's won six slams or something like that before we close there's some other thing which came up to my mind so i thought i'll ask you shankar i this at least was a debate on the women side about on court coaching so where do you stand on that yeah I, i don't think there should be on court coaching uh, although it's there it's it's rampant on both sides i think uh, the coaches i mean it's very easy to give a signal you know like this way that way meaning serve this way, this way. the women do it a lot i think they're going to trial it in the um, what's that thing called the next gen finals which are happening before the barclays finals they're going to trial that but i i think tennis is best because it's one guy versus one guy you don't know how a guy will cope it's you don't want to bring a team in at that point i mean he's done his stuff he's come on court even in boxing you have a corner but tennis you don't i think i don't think there's any great need to have that in tennis i mean you can do away with the let as far as i'm concerned and maybe in the final set you can bring in a tie break at 10 all or something like that but i don't think you need on court coaching would you be open to on court coaching if it happens only at the end of the set maybe at the end of each set because the break is longer than the normal changeovers would you be oh. more appreciative of that 
Yeah, that's interesting. That could work. Yeah, that might make. Yeah, because in the end, as a as the viewing public, what do you want to see? You want to see good matches. So if a coach can come and say something to a guy to get his head better or get her get, and she puts up a better fight, that's fine. I mean, I think yeah, that's much better than uh, during the match and all that. That's a good but idea. But the question is also, how do you stop it from happening during the game? That's that's a totally different aspect to control. Yeah, I I don't think there's any way you can stop it unless you start calling them out. That'll be really embarrassing because a lot of big names get. coaching here and there no, just, i mean just just don't allow the coaches on to the court just ask them to be in the locker room that's the worst you can do yeah put them play the, the players can't see them or something otherwise so they won't talk to their box and their box won't talk back <laughs> yeah be penalized them but that would be horrible you want to see the coach the coaching team react and how they go up and down so lendl you can never tell whether mari is winning or losing when you look at lendl's face so you want to see that yeah i don't know this is another one of those messy issues but i don't know if the solution to that is just to say let them all coach i would like to keep it this way just you know one on one play against each other but this idea of yours that you just said a coach at the end of the set just to give him a two minute pep or just small tips that could really work let's see where this does it so about to close out uh, shankar anything last bits you want to add or are we done Uh, I think we're done. It was a it was a historic Wimbledon for Federer. It was a kind of underwhelming eight, on the men's side. Eight, eight Wimbledon eleven finals. Eight eleven nineteen. Yeah, all the numbers. I mean, yeah, the first time he's done it at a Slam since the two thousand seven Australian Open. So the clock has turned back apparently. Oldest in the Open era, right? Yes. Oh Atarash. yes. Atarash. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he beat that Atarash record. Yeah, he beat that. Yeah, so he's the oldest Grand Slam winner. and he can probably break this record at the US Open in 2 months <laughs> <laughs> he, he even said quote. he thinks he can play till 40 though yeah he kind of he gave a guarded response you know he's very measured he said he's going to he's only looking one year ahead he says he doesn't know what he's going to do but he's going to play a smaller schedule he's not going to play 27 tournaments he's going to play 18 tournaments but he's i he like Steffi Graf he's good enough he can play 10 tournaments and probably win them all so He is not lost to a player ranked in the top 100 this year. Both his defeats came to players ranked outside the top 100. <laughs> so, so if you want to beat Federer, you have to let your ranking drop before you play him. <laughs> so that's the rule now. Yeah. So let, let's let's see. We'll hopefully catch up very soon. Maybe look at Cincinnati. Maybe as a precursor to US Open. But uh, till then, I hope you you have enjoyed the show. Any feedback or any questions you want to ask, please drop a note. uh we'll be ha- obviously in the tweet uh, from anfield index channel we'll be having both our twitter id so any questions anything you want to discuss tennis please do drop us a note but till next time goodbye see you Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Forty-five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 